Hello, welcome to Prince Track by Track. I'm your host, Dan, and today we're going to be talking about Baby Nose from Rave Until the Joy Fantastic, recorded early 1999 at Paisley Park and released on the 9th of November 1999. On the track, you have Prince, Michael B, and Cheryl Crow. Um, Unusually, this will be Michael B's first appearance since 1996. And it will be his last appearance for a number of years. I don't know why he's just on this one track on this album, but he is. Um, and he, he, he won't be on another Prince album until 2006. Um, so we're getting we're getting Michael B in the middle of a 10-year drought. The track is 3 minutes 18, or the extended version on Raven 2 is 3.52. And joining me to talk about today is Alec Rayner. Hello, Alec. Hello. Good to be here. Um, now, in terms of a genre, uh, I feel like... Uh, I feel like I should call this radio single because it, this is what it feels like to me. It feels like Prince doing like a kind of like pop rock radio single. <laughs> like That's how I feel about actually most of this album is that I feel like it was kind of geared to be a radio comeback album um, in the whole sense of the but Santana did that supernatural smooth and that was like the big comeback thing. And if I remember, they had some of the same people working on the team for Rave hoping that it was going to be the Prince equivalent of um, Santana's Supernatural. Yeah, it, w- it was like this naked attempt to to have guests come on and, um, you know, use their popularity to kind of push Prince back into the mainstream. Uh, it didn't work, obviously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Prince still kind of toiled in obscurity for another few years before he finally got back into the mainstream. It's interesting because um, Cheryl Crow is on this track, which, unless I told you th- those words, I don't think you would really hear it. Like um, the track where Gwen Stefani is a guest, you can cut, you, like you can kind of make her voice out, but it's in the same kind of range as Prince, so it's very hard to kind of really hear her voice. And I think that would be the same here with Cheryl Crow, like. Um, she's credited for, um, you know, co-lead vocals, which I think is pushing it a little bit. I mean, at most I'd say she's kind of backing, um, and harmonica. Uh, now the harmonica is really noticeable. Like there's a harmonica solo going on in here. Like there's a bit of a harmonica riff. You can really hear the harmonica. So, um, you know, Cheryl Crow, you know, much like Stevie Wonder in the eighties, um, is bringing the guest harmonica. <laughs> I always had this vision of Stevie Wonder in the eighties, just wandering from studio to studio with his harmonica doing, um, doing guest spots because anytime there was a harmonica on a record in the 80s you, you would eventually find out it was stevie wonder doing that harmonica even today if you hear a harmonica on like a popular rap album there's a decent chance it'll be stevie wonder i know um <laughs> drake's had stevie wonder on some albums and just recently um travis scott um another trap rapper from houston <laughs> had stevie wonder on an album stevie doing wonder. some harmonica he just, so he he just loves just wandering around just playing that <laughs> harmonica uh, I think sometimes he doesn't even realize who he's playing the harmonica for. They just stick him in a studio and he just starts playing. Yeah. Um, so Cheryl Crow pulling that trick here, playing the harmonica. That's the part that you like. Prince really hasn't had like harmonica on songs. Like that's not a thing that he'd ever done up until this point. Like, you know, at this point we're what, 20 years into his career and he's never really gone for harmonica. It's not really been an instrument out of all the many instruments that he plays. Harmonica has not seemed to be one of those <laughs> instruments. So it's, it's just kind of interesting that like, you know, when Cheryl Crow guests, you can hear her harmonica more than her vocals. 
Um, you know, and, and unusually, uh, obviously Prince also covered Every Day's a Winding Road. Um, but normally when Prince has a guest on an album, he, he returns the favor and he, uh, you know, appears on an album like he did with, um, uh, for no doubt he did uh, waiting room i think was the track and on um, um, kate bush also on emancipation i think she was on my computer and they did um yes. why should i love you for her album and uh you know obviously later on he would do so what the first with um you know with with stevie wonder um so like this this kind of thing this reciprocity that prince had of, of kind of reappearing on on people's albums it didn't happen with cheryl crow he's you know, from from now until the end of Prince's career, he didn't make an appearance on any more Sheryl Crow albums. So I don't know what happened there. I like it's I don't know. It's kind of it's just kind of an unusual um, that that would happen. Um, so, but yeah, um, there was also a version of this which was done for with Maceo Parker. Um, you know, later in in nineteen ninety nine, where um, you know, uh, he, I'm guessing he added saxophone in place of the vocals that's exactly what he did i um took a quick listen to it before on um, the podcast and that's pretty much the track is just i, I think it's the <laughs> same backing track just prince's vocals have been um peeled off and replaced with uh, maceo's saxophone yeah so i guess you know um i mean they say that the saxophone is the closest instrument to the human voice so it makes sense for maceo to do that but then like i mean I gotta be honest. Who wants to hear "Baby Knows" but with saxophone over the top? And I'm a saxophonist, so. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, and again, it was only, it was only included as a bonus track on uh, Dial M A C E O. So, uh, I, I, I mean, I guess it's obviously out there on, uh, you know, YouTube or something. So, um, and the fact that it is almost exactly the same length as the version of "Rave" um, suggests, obviously, that was just the same backing track. Um, <laughs> Which, I don't know, it's just kind of unusual. Um, yeah. You know. I believe Amacio also did this with the greatest romance um, that's ever been sold from the same album. Yes. And um, I'm pretty sure it's the same kind of deal because I remember hearing it <laughs> um, at least at one point and it's just Maceo over the backing track. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'm not, I mean, I guess Prince, obviously, a huge fan of Maceo Parker, so I can kind of understand... Um, sort of why he did that like gave a couple of songs to him but I, I feel like having them be two songs off rave is 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 such an odd kind of thing um, now baby knows was released as a promotional single um in late 1999 and um you know around the time that the album came out like you know slightly before um greatest romance remains the only actual single that was released um commercially now i remember um prince uh, coming over to the uk about a week after the album came out and doing a number of performances. First of all, he did Top of the Pops. And then he did um, TFI Friday, uh, which was a show hosted by a, a DJ called Chris Evans. Um, and not the, the actor Chris Evans. And um, he also did Pretty Man, um, I think on, on TGI, uh, TFI Friday. And then um, he also did Greatest Romance at Top of the Pops. And then he did one more performance on um, a show called The Apocalypse Tube, which I don't even recall. I saw him on Top of the Pops and I saw him on uh, TFI, but I didn't see whatever The Apocalypse Tube was, where he also did Baby Knows and Greatest Romance. Um, so, But those, I think um, TFI was a live performance, but the other two were lip sync performances. Um, so, And then Prince went around Europe for a couple of weeks and did guest appearances on various... Um, you know, 
French and German and Dutch, you know, TV stations doing pretty much the same thing, just doing Baby Knows, Pretty Man or Greatest Romance. Um, you know, so that was the extent of his promotion of this album in Europe. <laughs> just yeah. a few TV appearances and then that was it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, th- I think there were issues with Arista um, where like the amount of promotion that they were going to do was scaled back a little bit because of issues that um, uh, Clive Davis was having with the label. Um, so, again, Prince signs with the label and then they have promotional issues and they can't <laughs> promote kind of this big comeback album. Yeah. Um, you know, um, he obviously had more success a few years later when he just basically gave his album away with tour tickets. Um, you know, that obviously worked better as a ploy than trying to find a, a major label to distribute an album. Yeah, and that's um, a pretty um, common-ish practice nowadays. Like, um, for anyone that's been following just normal music news, there was that whole deal where it was Travis Scott and Nicki Minaj fighting for the top of the charts. And um, Nicki Minaj was getting all upset because Travis Scott got the top spot, but she's claiming it's because anytime he sold an album ticket or a piece of merchandise, like clothing or something like that, it would come with a free copy of the album. And those sales count towards your, um, your, your ranking on the Billboard charts. So that is a practice that um, I've been hearing people talk about it for the past week or so, and I'm just like, hey, Prince did that. That's where it started. But for this album, his promotion was limited to the release of Greatest Romance and then a, a small tour in Europe, uh, but, but only of, you know, TV studios. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, he, he had um, the Raven to the Year 2000 coming out as well. So, you know, that acted as promotion as well. Um, that was actually the first time, and for the longest time, the only time where I would listen to Baby Knows because I had the dvd of the raven to the joy 2000 before i had the cd for raven to the joy fantastic and um so that's the only time i would hear baby knows for for a while until i um found a copy of the cd (laughs) yeah um which is i mean it's, it's an okay version of baby knows um you know i think i still prefer like the studio version and if we're talking about like lengths i think i still I think at 318, it's just the right length. I think the extended version doesn't really add a huge amount. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll agree with that. Um, but yeah, you know, this is this is Prince, um, you know, with Sheryl Crow, uh, Michael B on drums. And I'm, I'm going to say this. This is probably one of, like, out of the entire album, this is probably my favorite drum track. Like, you can really hear it's Michael B. A lot of the other tracks, you can kind of tell it's Prince kind of um, going into the studio and doing like a short drum loop and then just looping it around and then kind of singing over the top of that. With this, you have the interaction of, you can really hear Michael B doing the different fills and, you know, the, the like particularly when they've got the, you know, the kind of the stuff about the Lexus and like you've got the drums kind of, you know, like the really tight stops on the drums and stuff like that. That's, that's not stuff that Prince ever does. Um, so, you know, you can really tell that it's it's Michael B., um, you know, playing on here. You know, he has he has a certain chemistry with Prince. Um, you know, and I think he remains my favorite drummer. Um, although the stuff that you know John Blackwell did, obviously, is amazing as well. You know, like the next the next few albums where where John Blackwell's playing, he really kind of you know brings it. And also, he you know I think the kind of collaboration always makes Prince up his game a little bit, which is why I feel like this is probably one of the stronger tracks on this album because of that kind of collaboration. Whereas the guest appearances just feel like someone you know dropping in a verse from 
the other side of the country. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Michael B being in the studio with Prince, you can really feel that Prince is kind of, you know, upping it um, to kind of match him. Um, you know, and obviously uh, get ready to be tired of hearing the words baby nose because <laughs> this, <laughs> there's a lot of baby nose in this song. Like, he, you know, it's at the beginning of every single line. Like, it's literally baby nose. And then Prince will sing a line and then baby nose and then baby nose. Um, and un unlike some of the other songs on this album, it actually has a chorus, you know, which is, uh, you know, baby knows she got the long, dark legs. She got the butt that go round. Uh, this kind of poochie makes you bed, turn a dog into a hand, <laughs> which again, like, I don't know, I guess I, I, I think maybe, you know, um, having Michael B on the track makes Prince kind of revert a little bit to kind of like early 90s Prince, <laughs> because this kind of really sounds a little bit closer to than that than most of the stuff that's on Rave, um, you know, but I mean, he starts out telling us that, uh, you know, baby knows this funky joint in the city where the freaks come out to play. Um, Venezuelan, black and pretty, <laughs> the kind that make you want to pay. I, I mean, I, 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 I like the, kind of the use of the word freaks is something that Prince had used on New Power Soul, you know, when he had freaks on this side. You know, f the phrase freak is something that he's used over most of his career at this point. Um, you know, so uh, I, I don't know. I, it, it's kind of interesting because this kind of like the freaks come out to play. Um, you know, like the idea of, of kind of Prince going to, you know, a place and these people partying in a certain way, you know, it's a common theme. It kind of goes all the way back to um, um, Uptown. Yeah, I, I guess we kind of have a similar theme in terms of like, you know, being at a being at a particular space and that being filled with people who, you know, share your kind of. Um, way of party yeah like black white puerto rican everybody just a freaking i was about to exactly make that reference is that it reminded <laughs> me of uptown on this first little verse he has yeah although instead of puerto rican for some reason he's gone venezuelan here yeah, yeah so, gotta love I, don't, I mean uh, <laughs> i don't know if there was someone specifically at this point um you know between his marriage to maite and his marriage to manuela who was venezuelan that he'd met that kind of maybe is on his mind but uh yeah so I mean, the kind of, you know, the, as I said, the chorus is all about long, dark legs, the butt that goes round, and, of course, uh, this kind of poochie that makes you beg and turns a dog into a hound, which uh, Prince also, uh, he uh, he adds, um, I think I think it might be the second time through when he does the chorus where he does the, the kind of the dog barks um, <laughs> after he says turns a dog into a hound. Um, so, <laughs> so, but, you know, this is, like, this is kind of one of the more uh, kind of, sexual songs that prince is doing on this album but it's not like a kind of i mean you know on on the last couple of albums we've had some kind of sensual stuff this is very much kind of like raw sexual power that prince is kind of um showing here but also you know um he talks he, like most of it is coming from this woman because he says you know she tell me what she want to hear she stroked me up and never down <laughs> whispering sexiness in my ear i'm just a junkie for the sound and when he sings junkie for the sound there's like a some kind of effect on his vocals you know so uh, again like this, this you know obviously the fact that she has the long dark legs and the butt that goes round um this is obviously influencing uh, Prince. This also calls back a little bit to Peach as well, yeah. uh, which has a, a similar kind of feel. Although obviously, whereas that was like a, you know, kind of 12 bar blues, this is more of a kind of rock based song. So there's not so much repetition, um, you know, and we get into a middle eight where, <laughs> where Prince tells us, um, she knows how to make you feel like your stuff ate brown tonight. Um, and her perfume 
it smells like the weekend. <laughs> it's funny because I think on, you know, the, the there's a couple of live versions that he did on like, you know, Dutch television, German television. When it gets to that part, he kind of weirdly censors himself. So he doesn't say your, your stuff ain't brown tonight. It's almost like he was going to swear with a different S word there. But he, he leaves, he doesn't say any word. So he goes like your ain't brown tonight. And he just leaves a gap. And it's just a really weird thing that he kind of censors himself. Although in this song, it appears that he'd already censored himself uh, with a different word. Um, and then, of course, you know, we kind of, I mean, I guess this is, I don't know, this 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 kind of bit feels a bit more like it's still coming out the middle eight where he says, you know, this funky joint way down in the city where the girls sing along to the hip hop all night long. And then we kind of like on the offbeat, we get him singing oh, white girls, black girls, Latinas, oh, so pretty. And then, of course, <laughs> he says, uh, won't you will you make me give you this ring, baby? Now, interestingly, there was another song on this album where he talked about getting with someone, but only once they were married. And so like this idea like of won't you give me this ring? So it's like Prince wants to indulge his kind of, you know, carnal side, but he <laughs> he'll only do it if he's married. Uh, which I, I, I don't know, I, I guess that's kind of pointing towards, you know, the kind of the more religious turn that he's going to take, um, you know. And of course, we get, you know, we get a guitar solo, which, um, you know, it's not very long, but uh, I think it kind of does the job. It's, you know, it's it's only a few bars, um, you know, but then you also kind of get this, oh, baby, 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 kind of repeated underneath. Um, and then kind of we go to the outro where we have the, you know, long, dark legs, but that go round. Um, Poochie makes you bed and t at the very end of the song it ends very quickly when Prince sings give me your number and I'll call you and then he goes no you you, you don't you didn't just turn me down and that's where the song ends was just like a kind of a guitar chord and I like this this kind of it almost feels like Prince is singing this song at this woman to kind of say how great she is and you know she has the butt that goes round and all, all the rest of it and then at the very end it's almost like she's not persuaded yeah <laughs> she's, she's like She's like, um, no, I don't think so. You know, like, and I, and I kind of like that. I like that this is this is a song that feels like Prince kind of like boasting and kind of giving us this picture of this club yep. where anything goes. And then at the very end, the woman's like, no, thank you very much. And it's just kind of like a, a, a kind of funny way to end the song. Yep, I love this ending. Um, just a complete turn down to all the bravado and braggadocious stuff he's been doing on the song. And um, yeah, I think it's just a really fun ending i like it when stuff doesn't necessarily go the way that you think it will it just kind of stops <laughs> i don't know i just, i i kind of like the fact that this the song is really it's like you know it is kind of this very kind of like macho song you know done in in this kind of very macho style and then at the very end it's like oh but that's still not going to be enough <laughs> and he just gets turned down and it's such a, it's such a great kind of quick way to finish the song as well um, but yeah, I don't know. This is one of, I, I guess maybe because this was the kind of the promotional song. Um, you know, this is one of like the, the kind of the, the better songs I feel on the album. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think also, I'm, I think they played it a little bit on the radio over here. And, you know, it, it, when I first got the album, I think this was the song that I basically went to first because obviously I'd heard it a few times. And so for me, uh, you know, I think this is probably... I mean, I would say maybe my favorite song on the album, um, but that's not a high bar to clear because I'm not a fan of a lot of stuff on this album. Yeah, like, I, I, I feel it's mostly a disappointment. I, um, I I feel the same sentiment where this is probably my top three of the album, but it might yeah. be a three out of five for me just because um, I 
feel like this is one of Prince's um, lower quality albums, in my just personal yeah. opinion. Well, that's where I've been with most of the tracks is kind of three, two and a half out of five. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the level that I've been with most of them. With this, I would say four out of five. Uh, just because I think, you know, uh, the kind of, the drums really kind of move it along and, you know, like the the kind of the, I mean, you do get sick of hearing the words baby nose, but they kind of fade into the background. Yeah. <laughs> you don't really notice them after a while because they're so frequent. Um, so by the time I get to the end of the song, like I do love the ending as well. And I think the guitar is really strong in here. And, you know, the harmonica as well. You know, it's not often that we we hear a harmonica in a Plinth song. So it, it kind of gives it a slightly different feel. Um, so, you know, I wish we could have heard more of Sheryl Crow. Like, I wish this could have been more of a duet. Like, I wish that, you know, Prince would have sung, you know, the choruses and, you know, maybe Sheryl Crow had a verse where we could actually hear her. But, you know, she does okay as a backing vocalist. It'd be cool if it was maybe some kind of shout and response kind of thing or something where, yeah, you know, it kind of plays I mean, along in a narrative with each other. I mean, maybe have just Sheryl Crow sing the words Baby Nose. Yeah, or you that. Know, maybe don't, yeah. There's, there's no need to have Prince, like, double-tracking himself on Baby Nose every single time <laughs> round, you know. Just give me something so I can hear Sheryl Crow's voice. Um, you know, otherwise, you know, I, like I say, I think four out of five for me, it possibly is the best song on the album, um, you know, so... I, yeah. And, you know, for me, I, like, I, you know, I'm struggling to kind of think of anything else that kind of is in this realm. And I th- I think my, the difference is Michael B. I think that's that's the the difference. I think him on the drums, uh, more than Prince just doing kind of like drum li- loops in the studio, I think that, that kind of, that makes the difference for me. And, and I think that kind of, that's what elevates this song. Yeah. Um, for me, why, I, I do appreciate the instrumentation. The harmonica is, um, is great. The drumming's fantastic. I just wish that, this is one of the few Prince songs where a lyric doesn't hit, like hit out of me as super clever or like. He has. Um, I always think he's an underrated lyricist because it, I think he comes up with some really fantastic um, lines that are either funny or just a cool way of bending words together. And on this song, I don't really feel it in any of the lines that he says. So I think just um, lyrically it was kind of a disappointment for me. And I think that's why um, I'd give it a three out of five, but still um, it's among the higher marks on the album. And I think, I think the thing, you know, like saying that someone's got a butt that goes round, like that's not really, yeah, you know, she's got long dark legs. I mean, like the, you're not really telling me anything that that's kind of, you know, that's really that special. Yeah. You know, like it's not really an interesting turn of phrase just to be describing body parts, you know, like, mm-hmm. You know, there's got to be something else more that attracts you to this woman. I can kind of understand why she turns Prince down at the end. Because <laughs> it's like, if all you're going to be just doing is describing her butt and her legs, then, you know, and talking about how, you can, you know, she turns you into a hound. Maybe let's let's kind of focus on something else, Prince. You know, I can, I can understand the quick turn down. <laughs> Prince performed this live first a few days before the album was released at Paisley Park. Um, and then by the following July um, 2000, he performed it for the last time at Paisley Park. <laughs> so, um, a song that was only really ever performed at, at kind of gigs at Paisley Park. Like I said, Prince wasn't really touring at this time, so you know the chances of him playing it on tour were you know quite low. And then you know by the time by the time we get to like Rainbow Children, I don't think this song really fits with the idea of you know a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> like, so I can kind of understand why it got dropped from Prince's set, which is a pity because this feels like one of those songs that would really 
you know live you know really when 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 done live um you know and the the you know the rave to the year 2000 is you know it's a good version um you know but i still i still kind of prefer the studio version um you know so but uh, I feel like we said about as much as we can about Baby's Nose. So let's go to plugs. Is there anything you wish to plug, Alec? Yes. My Twitter is AlecRinder98, and I love talking about Prince. And you can find us on Facebook at Prince Track by Track or on Twitter at Prince Podcast. Or you can email me uh, at PrinceTrackByTrack at gmail.com. Thanks once more for being my guest here, Alec. Oh, yeah. You're very welcome. And otherwise, you can... hey, hey, hey. Hello.